Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And isn't it abundant a gift of peace that you have today? The Lord tells you to pray. He doesn't say it's optional. He commands it. That's your duty as a Christian, to pray to God. So you have to know what prayer is. You have to know why to pray and what to pray for. Probably the most confusing thing. What do I pray for and how do I know that God will hear my prayers? Well, I'd like to give you some examples because the scripture is full of them. You might ask yourself, well, again, what do I ask for? What situation should I, in fact, pray in? So let's do a little bit of history. Go through the scriptures from start to finish and find a place where prayer is completely devoid. The only place you're going to find that is among the heathen nations. At least the prayer to the right God, right? They always are crying out to God, but their God doesn't hear them. You see, that's something you have. A promise that God, in fact, hears your prayers. And so if you go from Genesis to Revelation, you will find the saints crying out to the true God in prayer which is heard and also answered. Think about it. Abraham prayed. He prayed to the Lord even for that unbelieving city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Those two twin cities. He said, oh Lord, would you spare them if there's just but ten righteous people? Time and time again, prayer is on the lips of saints. What happened when Elijah the prophet was met with the drought and famine in the land? He prayed to the Lord and there the Lord brought rain upon the earth. What about some of the other patriarchs like Jacob? What happened when Jacob was going to have to go against his brother Esau? What did he do? We just had this reading. He prayed to the Lord. The Lord came and wrestled with him. And did Jacob just give up and give in? He said, no, I'm not going to stop until you bless me. But is that how we are in prayer? Means to be seen. What happened with Moses? He had led forth a people out of Egypt after 400 years of prayer. Do you have that kind of patience in your prayer? Or do you quit after the first day? 400 years go by and God raises up Moses. He leads them forth out and beyond the Red Sea. He parts the waters. And when they finally cover Pharaoh and his army, what does Moses do? He prays, but now it's a song, not of mercy, but of thanks for the mercy given. So we have prayer in the midst of distress. We have prayer for unbelievers. We have prayer for deliverance. We have prayers for mercy. We have prayers of thanksgiving. I'll go on. What happened when the people grumbled against the Lord and against Moses? Moses prays. And what happens when the people realize that they have sinned? They ask Moses to pray again, this time to remove the very thing that brought them to repentance so that they might again serve the Lord. What happened when Hannah had not received yet a child? In her barrenness, what did she do? She prayed. 
she went to the temple. What did Anna do after she had lost her husband? She stayed in the temple praying night and day. What did the kings do before they went into battle? Those who were faithful to the Lord. They prayed for victory. When Hezekiah was met with an enemy who was bound to destroy him and all the people, the king of Assyria, what did he do? He prayed to the Lord and the Lord granted him 15 more years of life. What did Solomon do when he was put charge of the kingdom of his father David more than he could even deal with? What did he do? He prayed for riches and reputation? No. He prayed for wisdom. And the Lord granted him more than he had even asked for. And when he thought back on his father David, what did David pray about? What are the Psalms written in the spirit of? Of repentance, of joy at God's consolation, of forgiveness, life, and salvation. You will find it in the Psalms. Psalms of lament, Psalms of repentance, Psalms giving thanks for forgiveness. What did Daniel do when prayer was outlawed? Did he say, oh, the government is right. I cannot pray any longer. No, he kept praying. Even to the heart of the lion's den. And did God just all of a sudden close his ears because he was in a cave sealed with lions? No, he sent an angel to protect him. And what of his friends? Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, when they are about to be thrown into the fiery furnace, they say to King Nebuchadnezzar, if it is our Lord's will, he will save us. But even so, if it is not, he will still yet deliver us. So prayer. It's in all situations. Even Jonah, as he was thrown into the belly of the fish, in the darkness, being in the womb of hell, he says, He remembers to pray and he prays the Psalms. Jesus on the cross prayed the Psalms. Do you get it? Prayer is a part of the Christian life and not just this little part on the side that you sometimes do and you sometimes ignore. It's the voice of your faith to not put your Life's problems and miseries, your thanksgivings, and keep silent at all of it. But it's to constantly recognize the Lord, who is the author and perfecter of faith, who through Christ has won for us the joy that is to have peace with the Father, to have access, to be able to call upon God and know that he hears your prayers and that your life, And every bit of your family's lives are in his hands. And when your heart is struck because of your sin, you yet call out to the Lord knowing that he is merciful and forgiving and will turn away his wrath from upon you for the sake of his son, Jesus. We struggle, though, in life. Think about it. Think about all the ways in which the world, the sinful nature, and the devil distract us from prayer. 
You can't even wake up in the morning without first thinking what happened. What's new on the news today? What's in my new Facebook feed? What else is for sale? Think about it. Even in the morning, we can't even have joy over the sun that has risen, the mercy of God, which is new, the breath that we are drawing, as terrible as it might smell. It's still a gift of the Lord. You get it? How can you have joy over the sunrise to start your day at peace if you don't recognize the one who made it, who caused it to rise on the just and on the unjust? How can you enjoy life if you aren't even thankful in the morning for the breath that you draw? And if you've started your day thinking that the devil rules and reigns over this creation, instead of remembering as we will celebrate this Thursday, that our Lord Jesus, our brother, went to the Father for us. And in our flesh, ascended into the heavenly places and sits at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning over all creation. That's how you start your day. Don't let your Facebook feed or your news channel or whatever thoughts are on your mind distract you from prayer. And what about in the midst of your day? Somebody calls you, upsets you, You learn some terrible things happen. Your job isn't as great as you thought it was going to be. What do you do? Are you going to let the devil annoy you to the point where your faith is displaced by doubts and anxiety and worry over the course of the day? Or are you going to go back to the Bible and build again on that firm foundation that all these things that happen to us in this life are for yet our good. God will take them and use them for our good. For all those that are called according to his purpose. For Jesus said it this way. He said that the father will listen to you, right? The father will hear you when you ask because you have loved me. You have believed that I have come from God and I'm going to him. And so the father loves you because you believe in the son. During your day, as you plan out your week, how in the world can you be at peace in your plans if you do not believe in the one who is going to make sure his will is done in this life? Who is going to see through all these things that you plan and yet his will will unfold to the glory of your salvation. Not just what you want, but he will give you what you need. He is a good father. If you have been a father or think about your father, did your father give you a snake when you asked for bread? No, he didn't. He fed you. We know that our father is better than our fathers. Gives us the very perfect thing that we need at all times. The father himself loves you because you have loved Christ. And have believed that he was sent from the father. How are you going to go to bed at night? Think about that. How are you going to go to bed at night thinking you have peace? If you can't even remember the one who has granted you peace. How can you go to bed at night 
If you don't give thanks for the day that you have had, no matter what has gone on in it, or give thanks that the Lord has opened his ear for you to complain to him, to say, Lord, you see my distress? You see how rough this day was? How much my heart is breaking? Lord, help me in this, my struggle. How can you go to bed at peace if you do not plead to the Lord for forgiveness? Do you think that your soul rests safe when yet you do not have the peace of sins forgiven? You need the one who is going to watch over you at night, who is going to watch over the beds of your loved ones, the one who doesn't slumber or sleep, but keeps hold of the entire house of Israel. That's who you need. But how easy it is that the last thing we do before we go to bed is again scroll through our phone aimlessly, not finding anything of substance or comfort, but being so involved with the things of this world, the devil's kingdom, our own wants and passions of the flesh. We are longing for joy that cannot be found in this world. It is found in Christ and in his word. You want to go to bed at peace? Do you want to have true rest at night? Then open back up the word of God. Let the thing that you sleep on be the promise of God to wake you up and to deliver you, whether it's in the morning in your own bed or whether your body is woken up the day of the resurrection. You see, it doesn't matter. You're still delivered. You're still awaken in peace. God tells us to call upon his name, to be in prayer, to be in praise, and to give thanks to him in all things. Every example in the scriptures proclaim that very truth, that those who make right use of the name of the Lord use it regularly, It's the name that God gave you as his dear child, placed it upon your heart and upon your forehead. You are the ones redeemed. When you draw near to God, you don't draw near as some foreigner, as some stranger who has to wonder whether or not God will listen to you. You draw near as a child of God. You say, our father, Because God has redeemed you by the blood of his son. You are bought. You are a member of his family. You can draw near, not with trembling and fear, as if God is going to smite you and destroy you because you talk to him. He has said, do this. And so we do. We pray as a dear child would pray to his dear father, pouring out our soul's complaint unto the Lord. One of my favorite parts in the book of Concord comes from the formula, the solid declaration. Article 11, it's on election. And in that article, you read something along these lines. That because our salvation could be so easily lost, taken from our hands, God did not place our salvation in our hands. He placed it in the hands of his son, Jesus Christ, from whom no one and nothing 
can remove it. So I ask you this. With all of the prayers that you have ever prayed in life, in whose hands did you lay them? If you laid them in the Son's hands and in the hand of the Father, you have nothing to worry about. That is where you will find peace and rest. You commit yourself, body, and soul in prayer into the hands of the Lord, and there he will take care of your needs. Be patient and wait on the Lord. And if you come to me after today and you say, Pastor, I just, I'm not good at prayer. Don't say that. I have given you plenty of examples from the scriptures in which you can find every way in which to pray and that you can know what to pray for, how to pray. If you are not good at prayer, it's because you have not opened yet your Bible and looked for it. Because in the Bible, you will find every reason to be confident in your prayers to the Lord. And that's what we should do. Be confident in our prayers. I've said it to you plenty of times, but I will leave it with you one last time today. You should not leave prayer with doubt. It is not meant to make you wonder whether or not God will. You only pray trusting in the Lord to deliver, to be merciful, to receive your thanks, to strengthen, uphold, console, forgive. And you base your prayer on the promise of God and you will never be doubtful again because God will do it for the sake of his son, Jesus Christ. And in his name we say, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.